0: Meeting you with a view to Face These two faces, secret faces, feel the chill.
1: Hello, welcome to Gale Boys, the podcast you're listening to. I'm uh, joined as always by my friend and co-host, Liam.
0: Hello, everyone. I hope everyone's been, you know, doing okay. You know, and, uh, you know, everything's... We've we've been doing our own things, and a lot of things have been happening in the world, such as um, something that I did not expect at all. Um, We're recording this on Friday, so we've had time to actually get some information about what happened but uh on monday uh bow tie wearing evil newsman tucker carlson um was fired just just fired no real reason given just uh, they were promoting his show that morning and then by the afternoon they said his ass is out of here so
1: i was uh i was very surprised because tucker is like the golden boy of fox his average viewership is like 3 million every night so he's like not only fox is golden boy but he's the number one highest viewed uh pundit out there and to just like pull him unceremoniously i saw his um last minute of his show and he was plugging like um one of his dumb originals like what's it called Uh, let them eat bugs which is part of that like dumb right wing thing of life in the pod eat the bugs and like the final thing he says like literally says is see you next week and then uh, (laughs) And then I got on for more duck. Pulls the, uh, the it was the the rocket. That's what I knew. Far.
0: As soon as I saw that, I like they said we parted ways. That's why I knew he was fired. Cause you don't say that shit. Like if you know you're not coming back Monday, you're you're gonna do something interesting. But no. Oh, by the best part of that clip is you didn't even see the whole clip where the guy on his show is like, I don't even know. He's selling like anti woke pizza or something. Oh yeah. It's it's the weirdest shit. I have no interest in learning the context for it, but it's like. There's a pile of pizza next to Tucker Carlson, he's like, this tastes really good. I'm like, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, that seems to be like a like a real bugbear for, uh, specifically American neocons, known woke products. was that like that ultra right-wing beer that got announced like last month, and it's like, <laughs> we're, we're essentially like doing the Zizek thing. We need our own version of capitalism yeah. without any of the, uh, like, icky, uh, liberal ideology attached to it.
0: My favorite part of that whole beer thing was they had a brewery, they were getting ready to start production, and then the brewery saw the ad. I don't know if you saw the ad for this beer, but it's incredibly fucked up, and they rightfully said, yeah, we're we're not going to continue with this. Go find another brewery.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we don't uh, advertise your beer with, with like, Hitler's face on it. Sorry, we we don't mind that. Find someone else.
0: No, but him getting fired is... I have a couple theories as to what happened, but it seems like the most obvious one was, um, I don't know if you read some of those. So yeah, Fox news lost almost 800 billion, um, but they, um, there were some text messages that came out about Tucker um, insulting management and anyone who's been in any workplace knows you do not insult your boss. I don't even care if you're wrong or right. You're going to lose every time. So, cause I had read apparently this firing came down right from Rupert himself. He saw this shit and was like, oh, get in my office right now. And then it probably turned into a really bad fight and culminates in Rupert telling him to pack his desk and get the fuck out.
1: I see him, like, different people uh, claim different reasons. Yeah, like, annoying love that media matter claims. It's over those, like, texts that came out of the uh, Dominion lawsuit. He's just shitting on his entire viewer base. Like, he calls his viewers dumb pigs. Um, my favorite is... um. Do you know who Sydney Powell was?
0: I know who Sydney Powell is. He called her um,
1: um like a dumb cunt. Yeah,
0: he called like her like right that.
1: after he after he had her on her show. It's like, why is this like dumb cunt here promoting this bullshit conspiracy? I like, mean,
0: the facade is gone. I can see the problem with that with the the network, but I really do think it was just down to him insulting management. I know, like he drove out like multiple people. The semi, not crazy ones, like Chris Wallace or Shepard Smith, they all got into fights with Tucker and then quit. So he's kind of notorious for being a shit stirrer there. And I just think this was the straw that broke the camel's back. Like, don't talk shit about the boss, man. Like you can, you can, you can call Sidney Powell a con all you want, but if you start talking shit about Rupert. Uh, you're indeed. But my favorite thing that came out of those text messages was apparently Rupert Murdoch is horrified of getting COVID, is extremely yeah. pro-vax because you know he's fucking 90 years old and will probably die if he gets it.
1: He's kind of like Trump in that way. He's like an insane germaphobe to the point where he lost on some like Michael Jackson style hermetic bubble. But the theory I like most believe is um Rupert Murdoch's ex-wife was really into Tucker Carlson to the point where she like thought he was some sort of biblical prophet which uh, really freaked uh Rupert out to the point where yeah this guy needs to go now. He's it's, uh,
0: it's the Hammer Himmler, Adolf Hitler situation where clearly I have created something so horrible even I can't control it.
1: Hitler and Himmler's having dinner and Himmler's talking about who the uh, the reincarnation of some German king and Hitler's just sitting there like, What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Uh you're just some guy I hired to manage my security. One of my favourite Mussolini uh there is is uh when Hitler went over there in like the early 30s we have a fascist hangout. He's talking about astrology of Mussolini. And uh, as soon as Hitler leaves, he's talking to his aides about just how fucking weird Hitler is. We kind of believe like the same things politically, but this this astrology shit is just too far for me. Just uh <laughs> so <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, that, there's that old, like, that's where the old legends of Nazi occultism come from, because, yeah. you know, that that's, the, I mean, Hitler was a weirdo to begin with, because he was, like, a, a failed artist, and a lot of these failed artist types tend to be really fucking weird.
1: Yeah, he's sending out goading teams into the Hamalayas to find some, like, Indiana Jordan's shit. Mussolini, is just like, I'm just here for the sex parties, man. Yeah, man. I, I don't believe in I'm, God I'm, yeah, or any look, of that I'm, shit.
0: I'm just here to get power. Like, I don't give a shit about, like, finding yeah. God, you know?
1: <laughs> Mussolini's interesting because he's one, like, one of the few uh, atheist fascist dictatorships byproduct of the fact that he would like be, like, a communist. During World War One. the Italian communist take was not to get involved in it, and Mussolini was, like, the outlier. That least should join with Germany, and, uh... And take over the world. People like Gramsci bullied him to the point where he did like the post-left thing of just being a fascist now.
0: I was never really in the right place to begin with like because you know that's what a lot of these guys the post-left movement is just I thought I was left and then I'm like nah I'm actually fascist you know that, that's <laughs> it's just bullshit it really is just cover for the fact that you you just were in the wrong group. Mostly he's also interesting because he never really gets brought in like the same breath as like Hitler or General Tojo for that matter. Because, you know, I, mean, I think it's because his own people killed him, you know? You don't really get to be an hmm. epic Chad dictator military man if you get murdered by peasants. It also didn't
1: help that, like, Italy lost every major military conflict during World War II. Yep. They just got steamrolled constantly to the point where Hitler had to fucking personally... I have to bust this fucking asshole, obviously, uh, it was like James Bond-style fucking... Uh, like prison complex. Uh, Uh, Speaking of Tucker Carlson, uh, Tucker was really big into the post-left thing about him was um, he's uh, anti-war, like anti-intervention, because he's against the war in Ukraine. No, he just, he wants to invade China instead. He thinks that we should leave Russia alone and fucking nuke China. Because I got into a fight with someone yesterday on Twitter, who, like, tried to claim Tucker was a base anti-interventionist, so I was like, no, he wants to attack China instead, the same as every other fucking neocon ghoul. And I can also understand why, because uh, China's been uh, eating America's lunch uh, pretty bad recently. Oh, they've been uh, eating
0: their lunch for... Like, they aren't losing to China, they already lost, the no. realisation just hasn't hit them yet.
1: If you know anything about, like, China's Belt Road Initiative, or uh, BRICS as it's called now, it has like something like 19 countries, Russia, India, South Africa, Brazil, uh, Argentina's uh, looking to join quasi-EU, and it's like, if this actually happens, then uh, it's very much game over for America and the weird hegemony of the world. Oh.
0: Cause you know that's the thing about America is that they they don't understand there are other cultures that have other things to offer. Like that's the thing about China, like they learned. You know, G. G. say so what you know he's a dictator and he does horrible things, but he learned like you don't conquer the world with guns. You do it with money, and you do it with. Resources and shit like that.
1: He learned the, uh, the mistakes America was constantly making in the 80s and 90s. He basically like, take over through soft power and not through just dumb military interventions. That's like true. I think uh, Ukraine was a real uh, wake up call. We don't need to invade other countries. We could just like, bribe them essentially. Well, like, yeah, we'll build uh, a bunch of ports and airports for you yeah, in exchange for uh, resources.
0: Once they got the manufacturing rights to iPhones, it was over. Because it's yeah. like, yeah, you try to manufacture this shit, it's going to cost you like $9,000 a phone. And it
1: doesn't help that they made 5G, yeah. and they're working on 6G now.
0: I love I love how America's response to that was to make all the conspiracies about 5G for a while. <laughs> like, you remember that? During, like, the beginning of COVID, yeah. 5G conspiracies were fucking huge. It was like, five, one of my favorites was like, <clears throat> 5G towers create... Uh, coronavirus
1: we had um a 5g tower near me was setting fire uh like two years ago because of that it's like a dead meme now yeah it's, uh, it's a dead little, meme. the q on guys have moved on to something else now i don't know what.
0: i wonder how they feel about tucker getting fired because i think they kind of liked him i think he was kind it's just weird as hell because he's seen as this self-made man he's the fucking like son of the guy who founded swanson tv dinners you know he is as neocon baby rich boys you could possibly get
1: so like a uh, base nationalist thing is fairly recent for him as well his early career was on fucking msnbc with rachel Maddow for fucks sake he was- famously got on well with Maddow back in like the early 2000s then she was like an out lesbian then so this idea of like oh he's some like based homophobe he only decided to take that turn four or five years ago when he went to fox he's a fucking chameleon like, he used to be some, like, bow-tie-wearing fucking libertarian dipshit, and now he's pair uh, Pepe, sure,
0: why not? Yeah, no, it's, um, it's, it'll be interesting to see where he goes, but I don't know where you go after Fox, because, you know, Bill O'Reilly and Glenn Beck both tried, and they're pretty much nomads at this point. No one really gives a shit what they're doing. So I don't really see him getting uh, becoming relevant in the next couple of months.
1: I think Carlson has like the street cred to maybe do like the Joe Rogan thing of having his own podcast, but yeah, I don't think like any other major news studio is no. going to touch him with a no. tension barge pole.
0: He's been fired from all three of them. He, like oh. the only chance he has is to go fully independent. But like that, uh, God, a Tucker Carlson podcast would be the only way that would be interesting is if you get guests who are completely incompatible with him. I would, you know, I don't wish him the best. Fuck him. I hope, uh, I <laughs> no. hope, uh, the only way he should run for, I know he lives in Maine, he has, like, this weird, like, compound he lives in Maine in, and he should run for state. I want to see what happens.
1: Yeah, there's, like, a meme that he's, uh, going to run for president. I can imagine he does better than, uh, a run because, uh, Man, he's, uh, he's not been turned to a whole reason why. No, no, well, look. Did you see, did you see that fucking, uh, video of him in Japan? He does the soy face when somebody asks him if he's running for president. I he's, did, oh, man. I
0: did. <laughs> um, oh, man, you know, here's- he, He's learning the hard way. You, you can't, you won't beat Disney. This is a company who successfully sued a family who wanted to put Spider-Man on their son's gravestone. Yeah. Stone. Okay? You don't want to fuck with these people.
1: They don't just own Florida, they they pretty much just own America. The only reason why America hasn't collapsed is because fucking those Marvel movies still make money.
0: People people are getting pissed at him. It's like, yeah, you're, you're fighting with the company that keeps our state alive. Because what else we got? <laughs> That's fucking trailer parks? That's about it.
1: I read recently half of uh, Florida's, like, workforce comes from Disneyland. You don't really want to fuck with them. Really? No. You don't really want to do that.
0: No. Sir. Come on, man. I'll say, I don't think he'll run for... If he does, he's not getting anywhere. Peter Thiel won't even donate to politicians anymore. That's how fucking bleak it's gotten.
1: Even he is, like, starting to turn against the whole trans transgrammer thing. It's like, well, dudes, I mean, yeah, just let this go, man.
0: He's gay. They, he knows they're going to come for him. <laughs> like, that's the thing. This is, know who your enemies are.
1: It's also just not a very, like, winning platform. Republicans tried that in the midterm, and they just ate shit over CRT and drag queens. It's like, yeah. you're only really going to try that again? Yeah,
0: history is not kind to those who want to exclude other people. Yeah. It's really not. And most people don't give a shit. Most people no. really don't care.
1: I said it before, but like, if you're like Matt Walsh and you go up to like some, just like some guy on the street and start talking about gay teachers or fucking kids, drag queens or fucking kids, they will just look at you like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" But what? I,
0: I would rather have my kids go to a fucking drag show than a church any day of the fucking week. Yeah. Are you kidding me, Jesus. Just statistically, yeah. by sheer fucking numbers alone.
1: Yeah. Speaking of. Uh deep state, uh, like, epic crusades against communism. Uh-huh. The uh, films we're going to be talking about today is... Uh, these films are weird because this, the Sean Connery films don't like lean into, like, the Russians as the bad guys. And then you you get to the Roger Moore films, are, like, half his movies. are like, yeah, those, uh, those definitely commies are at it. We need to... Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, not all of them. There's a couple that are a little more bizarre than that. But uh, anyway, this is part two, as you can tell from the title of our bond retrospective um we did sean connery about a month ago or more uh, we we took it we take a break doing this because we do have to um you know if we did just nothing but bond we would be here all year so we're, we kind of spaced them out in between but uh, we're gonna cover we did sean and so now we're gonna do roger moore seven fucking movie run <laughs> the longest uh, actor ever played this role and the highs are high and the lows are fucking low man oh my god the, the
1: Bond franchise has always been uh, a roller coaster in terms of quality, and uh, that's no more apparent than with uh, Roger Moore's films. They either like really good or just fucking terrible. So,
0: Roger Moore, as um, his run, he started after um, i Are Forever*, so a couple of years later, and um, the, he, he's an interesting actor because before this, he was known for like a bit par- like Connor, He's known for like war movies and kind of bit parts and stuff like that. But like,
1: have you ever seen the scent? Not the Val Kilburg uh, movie, but like show, the yes. T V show it's based on. That was like a another one of those long running, uh, British spy dramas. It's basically Bond but not as wacky.
0: Which is weird considering, yeah, what what, what, what we're gonna some of the movies we're gonna be talking because. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, because, uh, like, before this, he, he did a movie called, uh, Man Who Haunted Himself, I don't know if you've ever seen Oh, yes, that. yes. That's, yes. It, that's a fucking uh, weird movie.
1: He's one of those actors that was self-aware to the point where, like, he openly admits he, that he's not a very good actor. I've, uh, I've read, uh, a couple of his, uh, autobiographies, and he admit, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not really good at this acting thing. Oh. Like i'm very good at doing one particular type of thing like human bond but not much else
0: no, i always thought he's a he's a charming guy like there's been some uh, yeah. have you ever seen um the wild geese
1: uh no it's
0: a it's an old war movie he did in between uh the spy who loved me and moonraker and um he's actually kind of a badass in that he forces a drug oh. dealer to eat a bag of cocaine in actually oh, yes. a very intense way he's like eat half of it fucker. like God damn, it's kind of what I wish he played Bond as. That's what I wish for. Your Eyes Only Bond was like just real fucking hard-edged, pissed off. But, but anyway, so he starts his run with um, Live and Let Die, which is mm. man, um, this is a fucking bizarre movie. Even like just the pitch of it, it's Bond meets black exploitation.
1: Yeah, this is like the uh, it's the golden age of black exploitation. Yeah. Where uh, Hollywood is after the golden period of like the uh, Manson killings, so Hollywood is, uh, what do we do here? So they're like scrambling to do a million different types of movies, like black exploitation, uh, Nazi exploitation, redneck exploitation, and for some reason, like, the Bond franchise decides to do its own version of Shaft,
0: I th- I basically. Think, I think I think the reason was these movies were incredibly successful, like Superfly, oh, yeah. Shaft. You had you had other like smaller hits, Hammer across 110th Street. Like these were films they they were made cheap and they did very well because a, they were made for a specific audience and a lot of them are pretty damn good. Like there are some oh, yeah. pretty there's some pretty rough ones out there, but usually a black exploitation film it delivers a pretty good exploitation experience. Like, like Blackula, like for as oh, ridiculous yes. that movie is, it's a fucking awesome movie. Like. So I could see them thinking, like, all right, let's. Because they cast Yadip Kodo as the villain. So they're like, and he was in a whole bunch of those. So he's clearly. Yeah, clearly chasing uh, Chuck that.
1: Turner is probably the most famous one he's in. He's oh. like, he's basically playing the same guy in that, like, Evil Drug bomb.
0: Oh, I fucking love Chuck Turner. That movie's amazing. <laughs> he fucking. Isaac, just, Isaac Hayes seduces a woman with a six pack and a bucket of KFC. Hello. fucking awesome film but live and let die is um i kind of enjoy it as a movie bond running around because that's another thing they there's a lot of trend chasing with these movies one of the other things they chase is Red Neck exploitation because they do a lot of the um, oh. um uh smoky and the bandit the cop who's like a secret agent on whose side? <laughs> like, like it's so clearly like this is probably the most actually no man with the golden gun is probably worse but like these yeah. two films are like, because Bond always was chasing trends, but this is, like, the most... Your dad is Bond, he's fighting drug dealers, he's fighting voodoo priests in the middle of the jungle.
1: This this Sheriff J.W. Pepper character is great, because of, like, of all the characters to bring back, he bring back the, like, evil redneck... For a man for the golden garden really but, i of all people I I,
0: yeah. I I love that i do love him in this movie i don't i don't care for him man, oh he's great i, yeah. I don't man for the golden gun's just bad he even he couldn't save it but yeah yannick koto is the villain and he was a very popular actor in the black exploitation community so and it's also kind of funny because i think this is the first bond film with a mostly like not mostly black cast but more than just one guy who just shows up
1: i'd say it's like a mostly black cast like all of the villains are black anyway, the bad guys in this are weird. We've oh. got Yafat Koto playing the dictator of some fictional uh, Caribbean country. And he's also like a Harlem drug kingpin, which is weird. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever uh, read the book to this, it's fucking weird because um, it has the Mr. Big character in it. And he's like the main bad guy, he's just, like a banker with um for the Russians, but here he's some voodoo guy. Like, he's surrounded by fucking, like, voodoo priests, and he believes in all that shit. Yeah,
0: the, the second-in-command, okay, um, uh, Baron, The um, you know who he is. He's a guy in white makeup, the hat. He actually worked as a um, a costume designer before this. He worked on The Wiz. Then becomes a pitch man for 7-Up, basically playing the character he plays in this movie, the no. <laughs> Like it, And his death in this movie fucking rules. He gets thrown in a coffin full of snakes.
1: The, uh, the deaths in this are... Uh... Probably the dumbest out of oh. any one film. Oh, just... Like, b- yeah, Cole that cool fucking... Uh, oh, my God. He swallows... was that? Like a shark... Uh, like a, a shark it's, bullet. It's supposed to and, uh,
0: expand the shark to blow it up, and then Yadap Kodo eats it. And, it <laughs> balloons, and turns
1: into a balloon for some reason. Yeah. just...
0: <laughs> so much weird yeah. shit. And by the way, also, apparently, the, the by the credits, also, the, the henchmen... The white yeah, the Baron is, uh, alive dead. again, which is, He's uh, one of the few yeah, yeah. villains who's canonically not dead by the end of the movie.
1: This film has weird supernatural elements to it, which are, like, actually real. Like, the fucking Baron's alive at the end, and it's like, what am I supposed to take from this? Uh, his magic view when James Man, Bond okay I
0: mean he does he, does run. he runs across the river of crocodiles that's a that's a great yeah. stunt because those are real crocodiles oh, and I've actually seen footage of the stuntmen trying to do this and it's actually terrifying because he fails a yeah. couple times and the crocodiles are Not happy about him jumping on their faces.
1: Yeah, crocodiles are uh, very solitary animals. They really don't like uh, being rounded into farms uh, in the hundreds. So uh, I can imagine trying to use them for stunts would uh, go pretty poorly. Yeah,
0: yeah, I actually enjoy the film. It's absolutely ridiculous, but it's kind of the fun kind of ridiculous where enough weird shit happens in it that you're not not bored. You know, even though, like, yeah, magic's real and... Yadab is a Caribbean, apparently a Caribbean drug dealer who's very obsessed with dealing drugs in Harlem. I don't know why, mm-hmm. but th- that seems to be a running theme. But again, they really wanted to like make this movie for. That black exploitation audience, and it might have worked, cause it was a pretty big hit. It doesn't
1: help that the lead is some like pointsy white British person. Yeah. So yeah. Also, also, if you want to have a good black exploitation film, you get like
0: Curtis Mayfield to do the soundtrack, not Paul McCartney. Okay. You know, mm. you know, you
1: know. I don't like that song though. that Love oh, and like "Die" oh, has some uh, great one themes. of the more interesting soundtracks. Oh, there's some yeah. good
0: theme songs. Uh, this is when the theme songs start to become a big part of the Bond like brand. And there's some yeah. damn good ones uh, on this list we're gonna do today. Uh yeah, Living Not Die is a it's not top shelf bond, but it's interesting enough in its own terms to be worth a watch. Yeah. And I, it's,
1: I do... it's a good time uh on like its sequel, which so... is uh borderline unwatchable to me. *Man yeah. uh, Man's the Golden Gone. Uh,
0: so so yeah, this movie so we chase Black exploitation, and that was successful. So what's what else is going on? <laughs> well, uh, Kung Fu movies are huge now. Shaw uh, Saw Brothers are now in full swing. Uh, grindhouse screenings of these movies are are, are real. So like, like one of my favorite stories is this movie called Seven Grandmasters. It played for six months in New York during the Seven. Nice. days Like th- that's that's absurdly long for one movie to play. So they thought like hell yeah, let's let's capitalize on that. But it's less, like, the Shaw Brothers or any, like, half-decent, low-budget kung fu movie. I'm more like a Roger Corman film shot in the
1: Philippines. And it's probably the, uh, like, Bond film, where, like, book translation is probably... with the exception of Moonraker is probably, like, the least faithful to it. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. uh... Because, uh, of the Golden Gun takes place after, uh... Uh... You all love, uh... Yeah, you all love Twice. And, uh... Bond's whole thing, he gets MK altered by the Russians to kill M at the start of it, before he gets snapped out of it. To take revenge, he goes off to kill uh, Scaramanga, who's like a gay assassin for the KGB. That's technically the final Bond book. And people like to forget that, like, Bond never really had a proper send-off. The book's just sort of, like, ended.
0: It's so fascinating the disconnect a lot of, like, people who've read the books and seen the movies have. Because there's, there's people who love Bond who've never read the books. And have, some of them have no idea there even is a book. <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's the funny part. It's, like, so ingrained in pop culture, people forget its origins. Man with the Golden Gun is, um, is, and by the way, uh, yeah, Guy Hamilton's back for this one. And Guy Hamilton's, his post-Bond career is actually pretty interesting. Like, goes on to do, um, Force 10 from Navajo, Battle of Britain, nice. and, like, Evil Under the Sun, like, some, some good shit. Oh hell yeah! Some really. I
1: fucking good. probably uh, one of my favorite faro movies. He won the sun. Peter Dunstoff is uh, oh, very good in that faro.
0: Yeah, no, but his post Bond career is actually way better. Like there's some guys who just never recover. Terrence Young's interesting because yeah, he, he was, when
1: we get into uh, the Brosnan movies, that becomes like even more apparent. His movies become like real director for higher gigs.
0: You no, know, going back to Man with the Golden Gun, it's um, it's a mess. It's not good. <laughs> it's yeah. really it's one of
1: those. It's one of those movies For if the cast wasn't as, like, strong as it is, it would just be, like, borderline unwatchable. Like, Christopher Lee's fucking great. Oh, Christopher, uh, yeah,
0: Christopher Lee is, is is so good. In the, and, like, that's one of the great, like, tragedies of this movie is that you have Christopher Lee in a Bond movie and it's fucking unwatchable.
1: Yeah. And then
0: you have that, that midget, that... Who was that? <laughs> no, Henry
1: Parishet, yes. Yeah,
0: yeah, Henry Parishet, who was, um... Uh, for those who don't know, is the midget from um, Fantasy Island, and they made a kind of a mediocre movie about his life with. Um, yeah, Peter
1: with uh, Peter Dinklage, I, I do like that because they bring um, Andy Garcia and as Ricardo oh, Montalban. That's, that's and... <laughs> great
0: performance. I'm not gonna lie, that's yeah. that's good. Yeah, yeah. No, th- this movie is so fucking desperate to pander because you have fucking. You know he was on fantasy island before this movie so it was like hey everyone here's a recognizable face for you and y'all like kung fu movies and it's just so desperate and sad and just yeah, yeah. it's this
1: it, this is what happens when you're doing a kung fu movie and you don't have like a bruce lee doing it you just have like a ponce white man you don't doing, uh, people, kung fu.
0: you don't have people have any experience in martial arts or even like that's why you like john wick's interesting like the fourth one you cast someone like donnie yen who knows what the fuck they're doing or or mm. like other stuntmen who've worked with people who know what they're doing whereas this is just Ponzi white british people think we can do a shaw brothers yeah. movie and it's it's
1: pathetic. Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen it for a while, but it really reminds me of those uh those like Fu Manchu movies with Christopher Lee. Yeah. Like these like really shoddy borderline offensive movies. Yeah, this
0: movie does yeah. feel like a Jess Franco film and just how chinsay it fucking gosh. is. It really is just it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> this movie I and it
1: really into uh one of the few Bond movies to not do that hot at the box office like no. Bond was in a the real tight spot around right about this time
0: it didn't do well rightfully so but um so after this though and this is what i mean quality wise so we have this movie which sucks and then right after this we have honestly my favorite of uh we're gonna have some disagreements but my favorite of uh, Moore's run the spy who loved me i just love how like this is probably the film that, well first of all we have new blood lewis gilbert's involved with it who before hilarious. this, actually, did Luffy.
1: He was doing like a uh, weird Michael Caine dramas, and now he's he's doing Bond movies. He did a uh, Moonraker as well. Yes, and it's just basically the exact same movie. But uh, no, it really is like evil billionaire wants to destroy the world, submarines, and like spaceships. So it's just the exact same. Like okay. Well, I think sure. also,
0: I think also, it's just the, it's a lot of globe trotting. There's a lot of bright colors. And mm. That's kind of why I, I like this movie because it is it's, it's very, good yeah it's very light and, it's not great but it's very light and fluffy it's 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 a fun time it doesn't have the and i think again it's like it's what i wish like most modern escapism was it had it, like even they don't have the style this movie has because there's some really cool looking shit like the, some of the set design and like they really oh, use the sets they, they use the locations well in this and um i also love the bond girl in this too um barbara back she just She's one of the few Bond girls who actually, like... It made me think of On Her Majesty's Secret Service, the way they they play off each other as opposed to it just being one versus the other.
1: Yeah, she's not just arm candy for Bond. She's basically his Russian equal in the KGB. She, like, actually knows how to handle herself. She's not just some damsel in distress Like a good chunk of Bond girls, but... uh, Yeah, it's, uh... I would say it's a good movie. It does, like, all the Bond tropes, right? Uh, Some of those sets are great. Did you, um the Stanley Kubrick connection to this?
0: I am very aware of the Stanley Kubrick connection to
1: this. So uh, I think it's the um, the La Paris set and the uh, like the uh, the giant tanker, which is like the final set piece. Lewis Gilbert was having a hard time like trying to light it because the set is so big, and uh, Stanley Kubrick was filming. So I think it was two thousand one. He was doing like right next to it on the set, and uh, he brings Kubrick in to light the movie. And uh, I don't think Kubrick gets like a, like proper credit, but it's like, well known he is one of the reasons why the, uh, the end of that works so well.
0: I think it was Barry Lyndon he was filming.
1: Ah, yeah, about London. It was yes. Barry
0: Lyndon, it was Barry Lyndon uh, correction. but uh, By the way, the film that would cause him to never leave England <laughs> again. Uh, possibly because the IRA threatened his life. Yeah, uh, they know
1: how to hold a grudge. Well, yeah. Also,
0: also it's, I think the reason he lit it so well is because he was using NASA-grade equipment when making Barry mm-hmm. Lyndon, because there's, like, stories of him, like, using these insane fucking cameras and lenses that he got on hand from NASA. That's where the, the rumor comes he was responsible for the fake moon landing.
1: Yeah, the moon landings, yeah.
0: Yeah, so I think they, he gave them some of that equipment, like, hey, here, re- take this for, like, a couple days, and I'll, uh, I'll run cover for you.
1: I think, uh, him and Hitchcock very early approach to direct bonds, but they just like, had, like, no interest in it. it. Yeah, Kubrick's interesting, because it's like, yeah, have my, uh, have my NASA grade lighting, uh, rig to do your movie, sure. It's
0: fucked. It's... I think it's the one I've revisited the most. I find, uh, we'll get into it when we get into it, because it might turn into a fight, but we'll see. <laughs> but, mm. um, uh, after this is Moonraker, Uh, And this movie's, honestly, the production's more interesting than the actual film.
1: Again, uh, Bond chasing trends. Uh, A little known film called Star Wars came out at the same time. And for some reason, Kobe Brock was like, you know what we should uh, do? Stick uh, Roger Moore in space. That would be funny, right? Bond was, uh, it was fantastical, sure. But it was never like, let's go into space and have fucking laser battles. Okay, oh, come on, man.
0: I think I think also, it, it's funny because you know this is a cash-in because the way The Spy Who Loved Me ends is Bond will return in For Your Eyes Only, and that movie doesn't yeah, come no. out for another four, year, four or five years. <laughs> it's another one
1: that's like book trans, uh, translations, where uh, Moonraker the book... It's basically just, like, a nuclear missile yeah, that uh, Hugo Jacks is, like, an ex-Nazi, wants to use to up London, whereas in the film it's a giant fucking, like, 2001-style sh- space station. No,
0: no, it's an arc. They don't say he's a Nazi in the movie, but he wants to build a master race. <laughs> like... They, they try to keep that element of the book in it, but they won't say Fulani's a Nazi, which is a really. I just find it bizarre because you, you throughout the film you're not supposed to think he's a Nazi because the movie's not saying it, and then it's like I will build the master race. Like, oh boy, yeah, it's
1: part of the whole like Operation Paperclip thing of Werner von Braun, it, like those fucking. Uh... Rockets for Hitler, then fucks off to America and helps them win the space race. We can't really talk about the fact that this guy was, like, a colonel in the SS. He used to, um, he used to run, like, a slave labor camp, and he would shoot people that looked at him funny. So, yeah.
0: There's an interesting connection to this uh, movie with another film, uh, Day of the Jackal. Um, Michael mm. Lonsdale plays Hugo Drax in this film, and he's in Day of the Jackal, and... What happened was, very famously, Roger Moore was picked to play the Jackal, and thankfully, that did not happen, because that movie would have been terrible had he, you know, actually decided to do that.
1: Yeah, we get a good old Edward Fox and like, one of his few actual movie roles. His, uh, like, overall filmography is, like very weirdly small he does um never say never again as well yes uh, going back to bond Uh. yeah
0: he's also in force 10 from navajo which is uh, the whole cast that movie's fucked up it uh, i just want to read the cast list for you just real quick this is off topic completely but this is insane okay robert shaw harrison ford barbara back edward fox (laughs) franco nero Carl Weathers and Richard Keel. What the fuck? Uh, this is dartboard casting. Jesus Christ.
1: and <laughs> always the best time of casting. Like, oh, yeah, get uh, like half the Bond actors in here with uh, Franco yeah. Nero, sure.
0: I think I think everyone has, you know, it's kind of a weird like friendship everyone has. Hey, we all worked on this shit together. You want to do my weird? And that was like Robert Shaw's last movie too. Like he yeah, dead yeah. before that movie comes out
1: yeah it's not good uh also uh, edward fox is in the uh 90s lost in space movie yes he is for uh like but, 30 seconds yeah he's
0: also he's also <laughs> oh fuck yes god damn that's uh, a, that's a fucking nightmare we, a, we might
1: we may have to do that as like a fuck it episode because i uh, i actually watched that again recently oh, and some of the shit in it is oh, just man what were I mean, you thinking man
0: it's great because it is just one of those like Movies where just nothing about this makes any sense. It really was like just <laughs> okay, sure, we'll cast William Hurt, Gary Oldman, that schlubby guy from Friends. Uh, we'll hire the director of Blown Away and Predator Two. Sure, like it was just everything involved uh, with it is just God. wrong. It's a fucking fascinatingly bad movie. But uh, going back, uh, sorry, yeah, going back to Moonraker before we lose our minds here. But <laughs> um this movie cost 34 million dollars in 1979 so this was like one of the most expensive movies ever at the time
1: yeah and you could tell because they do act as very uh, effects heavy yeah like there was uh, a lot of explosions a lot of men getting blown up
0: I do love the production design of this movie I love the way the spaceship looks and I will, like I said Louis Gilbert mm. I think had a really good eye for Bond because he, he he just made these movies look really really good you know.
1: I would say it's uh, visually interesting, but as a film, it's not that great. No, the one of the things that's
0: bizarre, too, is Richard Keel's back, and Uh, have you heard of why he actually came back for this movie?
1: Uh, I just assumed it was because he was popular. No, Uh. no, so
0: I think it was Broccoli, it was somewhere on the production, high up, was getting letters from children as to, like, why is Jaws a bad guy, (laughs) so they gave him a redemption arc for this fucking movie to appease children i'm not even kidding. okay then that's fucked. Sure. it's so weird because he's just hanging out the whole movie i'm like okay mm. why are you here and then yeah i don't goes,
1: I don't even think he kills anybody in moonraker just like stands around looking menacing like okay and then he helps
0: Bond at the end because again this was to appease apparently apparently children
1: oh yeah because uh oh, yeah, no, we'll okay. get into an in, uh the dalton episode Especially the Boar films, are considered friendly, friendly movies. These are movies you can, like, take your kids to go see. Sort of inoffensive flock. Okay.
0: But then, the yeah, Dalton changes that completely. <laughs> oh, man, I can't wait to talk about those. But um, Moonraker itself, as a movie, it's it's not great. Although it does have one of my favorite endings of any Bond movie, where they have the clip of Roger Moore banging her, and he's like, he's preparing for re-entry. mm It's so bad, but it's that makes sense when you find out Christopher Wood, um, the writer of this, wrote sex comedies before this. He wrote movies like Confession of a Window Cleaner, which is Uh, like if you know anything about like yeah, real just real stupid shit like this. And I know yeah.
1: uh... Britain never really had its own, like, weird Hollywood phase of, like, exploitation or kung fu movies. Instead, we just did sex comedies, the Emmanuel movies as well, if you've seen any of them. That's how
0: Michael Winner made his money. Mm. He made his money through sex comedies. That's how he became the director of Death Wish and then a restaurateur. If you're British, you know who Michael Winner is. Like, he's (laughs) such a bizarre character.
1: Even if you haven't seen any of his movies, you've seen those fucking uh, life insurance commercials <laughs> oh, he did.
0: Oh, fuck those commercials so much. He makes that fucking face when the car gets hit. Like, <laughs> you fucking, like, like, and it's, knowing this guy did something like Death Wish 2, where, I've, I don't know if you've seen that the video where the, I, I think it was Death Wish the one with the Star Trek actress?
1: Yeah, but in a service. She's, uh... he,
0: yeah, she was crying and Jonathan Frakes is just looking over like, oh my god. <laughs> like, Michael Winner just ab- verbally abused this woman.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, uh, completely impromptu in some Star Trek convention, and Jonathan Frakes is just <laughs> sitting there, like, eyes bulging up his head. Uh, yeah, I just, wow. <laughs> yeah. I love uh, Star Trek conventions. Like I've never been to them, but they're like such a weird concept. Uh, one of my favorite town bits is when Mullen got into a... Uh, like a Twitter fight with one of the actors from a Voyager. Or is it like, oh, it's Ensign uh, Kim from Space China or regular China? And the actor's like, <laughs> uh, what do you mean? Like, oh, well, Ensign Kim's uh, Chinese, right? No, he's uh, <laughs> no, he's Korean. And it's like, no, he's not. Like the writers wrote him as a Chinese guy. Oh, oh
0: that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, Moonraker is just kind of a what-if movie. It's, um, it's. Like I said, uh, the product—it was also the most financially successful Bond film. It until Skyfall, it was the highest-grossing Bond film.
1: Okay. Yeah, it's weird because uh, again, it's like not a very good film but i can imagine like oh you like star wars uh, you'll like this Then, oh, a huge, it was yeah, a huge no
0: production care. had all this crazy shit going on in it i get i get the yeah. value of spectacle at the time so but yeah. after this and uh it's,
1: it's it's follow-up is uh surprisingly down to earth in comparison
0: yeah. no this is uh this is um, this is easily the most interesting of all the more films because it's the most subdued but it's also i think the most interesting in terms of like more's car- acting and some of the story beats, and yeah, it's for your eyes only, uh, for everyone. Um, Moonraker just came in like, we gotta make a shitload of money. So, But yeah, this is the one everyone put their work into, and it was also John Glenn's first Bond film. He would go on to do um, the rest of them after this, he, and then he would go on to do the two Dalton films. And um, He's easily, I think, the most interesting Bond director, because you can see his progression throughout each movie because I think really deep down he wanted to be like an 80s action movie director. Yeah. This is kind of him just starting out. He worked as an editor on Bond before this. And um it's it's easily the most down to earth, but even then it's still ridiculous. Remember that fucking fight scene in the hockey arena? <laughs> like what, what the fu- like it's supposed to be this like like that's my problem with this movie cuz whatever my, your feelings on like the spy lobby at least it's consistent in its tone this one's a little more like mm-hmm. we have him going to visit his dead wife's grave and then we have that which, by the way uh, reference to on her majesty's secret service which is kind of like <laughs> yeah. know, it's, interesting uh. that, it's interesting how when we we'll get to that that's it that's the last episode of this this mini series that we're doing but it's so interesting how that movie throughout the course of these films becomes more and more apparent and more and more visible no time to die straight up uses score from that movie
1: you see he it's like the best boss it's, it's not my personal favorite but is like you know, the best movie which is why we're doing it last yeah. but uh yeah um for your eyes only is my favorite more film because it's the only roger moore film where he actually like has to act yeah. and do stuff he actually has to like emote and like that scene where he fucking um he, like, kicks the assassin off the cliff. The darkest moment from any of his movies. Oh, it's yeah. like a real fucking, like... As you said, John Grin's interesting, because he's easily the greatest of the uh, Bond directors. Very cruelly wants to be, like, an 80s action guy, but can't relate really into the Dalton years. And
0: there's some great, like, when he... Yeah, he kicks the guy off the cliff, and there's some... There's some real good, like, when the car falls down the cliff. It's It's shot very subduedly. <laughs> like, it's like you're just watching these guys die. It's a lot more serious than you'd expect after what we've seen before this, but yeah, yeah. No, the, the movie itself, though, I I hate the tone of this film because we open with the the, the him going to see the dead wife, and then the and not Brofeld
1: is there, yes, the fucking <laughs>
0: helicopter chase, like what, what the fuck, like I, I, I feel like they they had to put this in. Glenn would not have put this in unless he had to,
1: yeah, because do you, do you actually know why the the not both scene is there. Like uh, I... the behind the scenes realism. I mean, uh... it's because um uh, Never Say Never Again is uh going into production as uh as this movie is coming out the whole brofeld like copyright story is interesting the guy that co-wrote that book with fleming uh kevin Macquarie, uh for thunderball which is like the first uh Blofeld book after fleming died he basically took the rights to uh, not only brofeld but spectre because the original was going to be the bad guy and despite who loves me but because of uh, copyright shenanigans he had to get um someone else in there so uh this is basically a fuck you to Kevin McClory. Like, yeah, we're going to kill off uh, your bread and butter carrots, or we're going to chuck your uh, brothel down the chimney as he's, uh, as he's in a wheelchair. I
0: buy it because rich producers are nothing but petty. So i completely. <laughs> but also, I think it is also, like, again, there's a lot of this attempt to, like, Bring that kind of humor to this darker story, and I just like the only time the comedy for me really works is the whole like the the young girl clearly wants to bang Roger Moore, but at this point he's clearly older and doesn't want to do it, and that's kind of a weird source of comedy for a good amount of this film. Although I, I've said this, the line that he fucking drops here at the end is just one of those holy shit things where he he's telling her I'm she I think it's implied she's underage. He's like, all I can say is never grow up anymore. Why not? <laughs> well, the opposite sex will never survive it. I'm just like, wow. Damn. Damn. Yeah, there's no other response to that.
1: Yeah, it's one of the few uh, Bond movies where Bond himself is like somewhat self-aware. He's like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't uh, fuck this teenager. Maybe yeah. I should. Uh... Maybe I should take up with the uh, like actual uh of age bond girl. I don't
0: think he bids.
1: Yeah. Does he bed a woman in this film? He does, yes. He beds the uh Greek um like her parents die yeah. at the start. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there is a Bond girl uh in this movie, but like her story arc gets tied up within the first like twenty minutes, so she yeah. just kind of becomes redundant. I- like, yeah. I can understand why like, you don't care for this because like there are some, like, weird plot uh, beats to it. Um, Julian Glover isn't that interesting, a bad guy. Another um, could-have-been Bond actor, Julian Glover. Yeah, uh, I
0: think he... Yeah, he was in the running at one point. And, uh, yeah, Julian Glover, as an actor, is actually... Oh, he's great. I've always enjoyed him, and I, I just don't think he was given... The character itself isn't that interesting, I find. Like, nah. he doesn't... like. He's- License to Kill does this whole archetype of like the Bond guy just wanting, just being an asshole who wants power and money. Does that better than I think this? Because I just don't yeah. think Julian Glover's just given much to work with outside of like... He's he's
1: probably a better Bond bad guy in uh Last Crusade, now that I think about yeah, it. Yeah,
0: I, I respect the film. I think there's some beautiful, great stuff in it, but I just don't think it comes together as a whole mm. movie. It's a movie of great parts. Rather than like a whole great movie. And I just find that, yeah. I find this kind of movie frustrating. It's like, damn it. Like, yeah.
1: It's, it's also one of the few, uh, like, of the time Bond movies that doesn't have John Barry scoring. It has. Yeah. Um, Bill who the fuck did uh, the score? Bill Conte. Yeah, Bill Yeah. I do like the score, but it's very weird. Yeah, it's not a Bond yeah. score
0: at all. Um, although I no. love the theme of this movie. So oh, good. it's great. It's so good. Who. <clears throat> Give me a second here. Uh, who sings it?
1: Sheena um, Easton, uh, another uh, Scottish icon, right there.
0: Yeah, no, I, I love the theme of this movie. It's it's so, it's so awesome. It's so like early eighties too. Like that's the thing. This is where hmm. the eighty. I know it was eighty one, but like yeah, the eighties in these movies start to because because we you know by the seventies the Russia wasn't really a big problem anymore for a while. And we had, you know, let's just chase trends. Drug dealers and evil kung fu masters. Now we're going back into um, the Red Scare, and that becomes... Yeah, but uh,
1: but the movie you don't want to talk about.
0: (laughs) I don't like this movie. I just find it completely worthless. Uh, We're talking about Octopussy. Uh, I feel like they had to... like This movie was made to make up for the fact For Your Eyes Only was way more intense and dramatic. So like let's just double down on all that other shit and everything happens and yet it feels like nothing's happened.
1: Easily like, the most disposable bar of Roger Moore's films. I uh, like uh Willard as like the exiled Afghan prince. Sorry. He's kind of
0: yeah. Yeah. No,
1: uh, fun. Oh, but uh, oh, that, the whole and Stephen Berkoff is the crazy uh Russian general. He's kind of fun, but uh, the is, plot just the
0: plot is the is, plot just doesn't come plot? together. Is there a plot? That's my problem with this movie, it really is like...
1: It starts off with, like, fucking Fabergé eggs and ends with the fucking Russians want to blow up West Germany with a nuclear missile, like, okay then.
0: Uh. <laughs> it, it, it really was just... It, that's what it felt like. It felt like, let's just do all the stuff we would have done in For Your Eyes Only and didn't, and we're just gonna do them all yeah. at once. Like, he dresses as a yeah. clown to fucking set <laughs> fuck. That's such a fucking insane climax just roger moore yeah. in full clown makeup and it's supposed to be really intense and like it's
1: like what the yeah i know it was going to be uh morris last movie but uh i think at the last minute he did say did like yeah i don't really want this to be my like coup de grace or
0: so. yeah john glenn there's some, there's some again some more really good action stuff in this actually That's oh yeah what's so frustrating about this movie is that like yeah glenn's action direction Really fucking top notch in this.
1: Just- that that fucking uh POV where he's uh sliding down the uh, stairs yeah. of the AK is fucking great. That is i of that, so cool.
0: that was so that's so ahead of its time. There's some great stunt work as well. It's just this. The
1: movie sets been- are pretty good. Yeah. There's was like yeah. So Ken Adam comes back to do the sets, and there's some good sets in it. Like the uh, like the Soviet Central Committee room. Oh, is yes. pretty fun. Yeah, the
0: the poster of Lenin. In
1: yeah, the- in the background.
0: You know Lenin. Lenin, did anyone ever hear of Lenin? He said,
1: the vote counter is far more important than the candidate. Has anyone ever heard that's Lenin? Lenin, as they say, as they say in Russia. (laughs) (laughs) That was fucking insane, man. Man, I I almost had a brain aneurysm over that. Oh, man, you you sent
0: me that. You sent me that last night, and... I, I, I didn't even know. I was going to send a witty response. I'm like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> that was insane. That was one of those, like, and the, the actual video itself, for those who've heard, like, the, you hear the audio there. The, the video, he looks, like, way worse. Like, he looks really bad. Right now. He's like, <laughs> His the makeup's really bad on Trump. It's a fucking ride, that thing. God damn.
1: You've talked about it before, but I genuinely think that, like, Trump is probably going to Dyson like he really like he hasn't looked good for a while but he really doesn't look good I know he's like he's on stage talking about Lenin we love uh we love the Russian Lenin we love him folks uh, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna start pronouncing uh Lenin as a Lenin now just uh oh, Lenin. <laughs> it. It
0: was like Alex Jones conspiracy theory where they were poisoning his Diet Cokes uh, before he was going to be president. <laughs> I think they're doing that now. I think he, yeah. just, he was on the money. He just needed to wait a couple of years, you know. God <laughs> damn it! Oh fuck yeah! Oh, fuck. oh god yeah, uh, no, uh, You know the GOP has been um, really wanting him to die. That's been sort of the worst <laughs> thing going on. Like, yeah. People Mitch about-
1: McConnell's doing the praying uh, your downfall meme in real life.
0: But uh, yeah, now going back to yeah, Octopussy. Uh, take of what yeah. you will. I do not like. I just find it just get it out of here. Yeah, it, it's it might be fun if you haven't seen it, but I just I just didn't. Oh, it's also interesting because yeah, Mike G. Wilson's now involved too by this point as a mm. uh, as a screenwriter.
1: Yeah, this is this is the start of the uh, spot the Michael G. Wilson cameo. And
0: then we have. I think the most interesting, like, probably the film... Go, going
1: going from one of the most boring to one of those bat shits is... Oh, uh... yeah.
0: No, I love this. I love... This is a movie that I think you and I have... been. This is kind of one of the reasons we were so excited to do... We do this retrospective is we get to talk about this one movie. So, <laughs> it's A View to a Kill. Um, Fuck yes. It's one of the most baffling eight like not even just bond filled but 80s action movies in general this came out like 85 so now the american action 80s boom is in full swing you got like rambo 2 and you have commando you have this by this point american action movies and action movies in general are just everything needs to blow up biggest guns possible and this movie goes for that whole hog and it's kind of beautiful
1: this is the start of uh bond becoming more like a american action flock and it helps that fucking uh, McBain's the bad guy yeah,
0: chris walken is just so perfectly cast as the villain in this film it's god damn it just that scene where he throws the guy out the blip anyone else want to drop out <laughs> That's uh, I, fucking enough. I, I can't do a good chris walken accent so fuck anyone who's like why didn't you do it that way but no i the thing about this movie though it's it's, it's insane like the first hour of this movie is like a plot about Fixing
1: horse races. Yeah, it's like uh, steroids and horses, <laughs> and then by the end, it's uh, Christopher on... Walken wants to destroy California.
0: way, Dolph Lundgren shows up during that hour, first hour, uh, because I think he was dating Grace Jones at the time. Yeah, which is um...
1: there's a very funny behind the scenes story where um, Grace Jones had her trailer next to Roger Moore's, and uh, Grace Jones is uh, like a infamous party hound. So it's hard uh, it's and Dolph Lundgren up at four in the morning just partying and Roger Moore was so like banging on the trailer or getting oh, them to stop. It's, you know.
0: Oh, God damn it! That's I, I believe it. That's the only reason Dolph Lundgren has a film career is because Grace Jones got him a vacation. That's <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty much, much how it so. starts. I mean, because then he does Rocky 5, Rocky 4, like, pretty soon after.
1: So. There's some interesting uh, behind-the-scenes stories. For this. Uh, do you know who it was... um. I was really going to be the bad guy It wasn't going to be walking.
0: Oh, uh, who was it? I've
1: never... uh, David Bowie was you really going to be doing it. And you... Really? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not shitting you. Like, he was uh, he was on, like, the top of the cast list. Oh, that would have and he awesome. said, like... God damn He it. said very publicly that, like, he doesn't want to watch his man like, jump off buildings for three weeks. So it's like, yeah, fuck this. I'm going to do Labyrinth instead. Uh, yeah.
0: I think we all lost something out of that. I think mm. everyone did. Walkin's haircut in this movie makes a lot of sense. They clearly yeah, you can wardrobe like, for Bowie, and then he dropped out, and they're like, well, shit, um, you, you can win yeah. this, right? Get, uh,
1: get McBain in here, fuck it. Oh. People, people like to forget that fucking there's McBain a, isn't just a Simpsons but that's like a real movie. Film,
0: it's it's <laughs> insane if y'all haven't seen it, where... Chris Walken, Michael Ironside, uh, take down a drug cartel in Colombia. that's also apparently a dictatorship, and... It's a fucking insane movie. Uh, cause it's part of that, like, 91, the 80s weren't dead yet, but, like, we had one more year left to get away with shit like this. So this movie mm. just goes whole hog with absolute Reagan, like, Reagan's not even president anymore, and this movie feels like it was made in 85.
1: We're in, like, that weird period between, like, Bush Senior and Reagan. Yeah. So I was like, we have one more year to, like, get away with dumb action movies. I think, I think, the movies. Ri- I think really, rough.
0: the L.A. riots really killed the 80s in Hollywood. Cause yeah. Like, you didn't, you didn't yeah. see action movies like that anymore.
1: Now that I think about Falling Down as, like, the last movie of that time period. Yeah, but, like, it's not really uh, taking place as the fucking uh, L.A. riots are going on yeah, in the background. I, I
0: think that movie is also, like, it does the 80s action movie thing, but portrays it as it is, which is this... Terrifying no. conservative psycho fantasy. <laughs>
1: yeah, going back to uh, View to Kill, it's not a great movie. No. by any means, but it has like, like the soundtracks fucking great. Uh, Duran Duran does uh, probably my favorite Bond film. I think it's uh, most
0: people's, if not like, yes, it is it just, like one of the best. It's it was also like the first Bond film to actually top the charts, the actual record charts. It was a it was mm. a big hit, forget I mean, if you hadn't seen the movie, like well, that song fucking rules, you know?
1: My mom was uh, really into Duran Duran uh, around about that time period. You can look back at that and laugh, but, like, if I was born at about that same time, I'd also probably be into it as well. Oh, Duran Duran so. makes
0: some great fucking music.
1: There's no problem
0: like oh, yeah. like, Duran Duran. But it is such also a perfect song for the kind of movie that this is. This is what I mean. John Glenn, you really see his involvement throughout these five movies where you're getting more and more of that 80s flavor of action because there's some really good action bits in this movie the gunshots oh, yeah. like and this is a brutal shit too like the scene that always stuck with me was when chris walken cheerfully with a machine gun just mows down all those miners in the tunnel god damn that's that's cold-blooded after like yeah. after what we've seen like even octopussy wasn't as cold-blooded as some of the stuff that you see in this movie
1: Octavisity has a scene where the uh, guy gets eaten by the alligators, but that's fairly tame compared to, like, what Walken does in this movie. Oh, he's, yeah. like, gunning people down without even thinking about it. It's yeah. great. no, he's a total psycho
0: in this he's movie.
1: He's also a uh, Nazi-test-your-baby.
0: That is like, true. That, that also gets brought up.
1: <laughs> it's, like, a weird, like, thing of uh, Roger Moore's films. Like, half the bad guys are just Nazis for some reason. Another one of the bad guys is... Uh, He's basically Joseph Mengele, like yes. the wacky old Nazi, that's his oh. dad, yeah. I love that fucking scene towards the end where uh Walken falls to his death, probably one of the best like death scenes oh, in any it's, movie. It's awesome, and uh throw
0: this dummy off the Golden Gate Bridge, it's fucking fantastic.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh he pulls up, like, a giant fucking stick of dynamite expecting to blow up Roger Moore in the Golden Gate Bridge. It's, <laughs> man, the fucking ending of those Swires.
0: Oh, they blow up the blimp. It's an awesome fucking scene. Like, <laughs> like it's there's some uh, beautiful action bits. I uh, uh, love when Roger Moore gets his hands on that double-barrel shotgun and shoots the guy out the window. Like, God damn hell yeah. One of the things also that's so... F- fucking insane about this movie because this movie is not good but it's just totally great clock roger moore was 57 when he did this movie yeah and he beds four women one of them <laughs> at the time and this is one of my favorite fucking like this is why roger moore was like this apparently was the ultimate low point of his career because apparently he had banged a woman in this movie who was he was older than her mother at the time yeah. Which, that's gotta be a wake-up call that you don't want. You're like, I am too old to be doing this shit. I gotta quit now.
1: I know more is on record is like, he really doesn't like this movie. Not only for, like, the incredibly sus shit like that, oh, yeah, but, yeah. uh... I was starting to the, um... The DVDs and Blu-rays have, um... Commentary by him for all of his movies. And he's just talking about, like, he doesn't really care for the excessive violence of this movie. And I can't understand why, because it's like most of his movies—they're not like ultra violent. They're fairly like—I don't say family-friendly, they're, they're, but they're like—they're
0: violent in a way that is colorful and,
1: and crazy.
0: Yeah. There's a cartoonish. Yeah, car, was, it's uh, cartoonish. This film doesn't do that. No, there, no. This was a long. Again, this is why this is interesting with John Glenn, because this is a huge thing in our next episode. Of the series, this is clearly so he's building up to his masterpiece, which will be two movies after this. And these movies just get progressively more violent as they go. And I do, but I still think this movie is so ridiculous, it's not that graphic, like at least by my yeah. Standards. Fucking
1: uh, fucking Grace Jones' uh, dummy gets blown up uh, at yeah. the end.
0: Well, I will say this all this <laughs> is an incredibly progressive film because it does feature uh interracial uh sex scene, which is something that is. Surprisingly, very rare in a lot of Hollywood movies.
1: The scene where uh, Bond uh, beds day is probably one of the most baffling scenes really of like <laughs> any of those movies. I mean, imagine Grace Jones like...
0: filming that. Jesus Christ, like fifty-seven-year-old <laughs> British man is telling me he loves me. Like th- this is so bizarre. <laughs> it's completely insane. But also, if you think that the the hero of this film is a fi- is all put almost sixty. It adds an even crazier aspect to it. It's just... Awful.
1: He's pretty much a geriatric at this point. Like, he's at the age where he can get, like, a, like, pensioners bus pass. Exactly. And you expect him to, like, save the world from these, uh, from the evil communists. It's like, come on, man.
0: Yeah, but to close out, I, I really, I really, really dug... I really dig this movie. It's not good at all. Objectively, it's not good. It's kind of a bad Bond movie, but as just total... Like, if you're a fan of action schlock, you, you probably should watch this, even if you're not a James Bond fan, because there's so much weird, bizarre shit to enjoy. And it really is also a product of its time, which kind of, mm. like, again, like, just the score and again, the, the amount of it. I just can't get over the obsession of horse horse race fixing in this.
1: Yeah, just like the uh, the Star Trek thing of the, uh, the A plot and B plot but uh, they never quite come together, like... was no. Whereas, like, Walken was to destroy Silicon Valley, where I was like, I, I fucking wish he got away with that man. Like, yeah, kill uh, Elon Musk, kill all those assholes. uh
0: here's the problem. He was born in the wrong generation.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, yeah, uh, if a Bond bad guy tried to do that, no, I'd be cheering that on. Yeah, well, kill those fuckers.
0: Yeah, that's the thing, like, uh, but uh yeah so Roger Moore's bond career um I think it's a little more misses than hits but yeah because as much as I enjoy view to a kill for how stupid it is it's it's, it's not a good movie <laughs> like there's only... yeah
1: I, I I wouldn't recommend like I'd recommend the soundtrack over the actual movie because yeah. uh the, the John Barry soundtrack is fucking That's, oh, that's John, fucking great. Yeah, so
0: John Barry's back for the soundtrack in this movie, and it's, it's just fantastic. Just, oh, just... Because, it, again, it's a great Bond theme, and just, yeah. What are your feelings on Roger Moore as Bond? How do you think he played the character?
1: Uh, He's not my favorite, but uh, I can understand what he's doing. Coming after Sean Connery, you have to do something completely different. And I think for the most part, he does a decent job, but uh, overall his films are like very disposable. Yeah. Like if I had to watch any Bond film, I probably wouldn't pick like really any of his movies, no. with the exception of like "Spy Who Loved Me," yeah, or "View to a yeah. Kill" if I'm drunk.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's a true drunk movie masterpiece, but I think Roger Moore as an actor, like I would recommend people go watch like some of the war films he made in between. Yeah,
1: Escape to Athens when he plays a Nazi. Yeah, I no, does.
0: that's great. Uh, Wild Geese as I brought up. and Hell, fuck Cannonball Run 2, which I don't know if you've heard that story. <laughs> that's why any actor who's currently playing Bond cannot wear a tuxedo in another movie. The Brockley <clears throat> family were not happy he did that. So our next episode, we're going to talk about Honest to God. My uh, favorite, oh, I love these movies so goddamn much. I love both these films. My favorite Bond film is on them. And LS. it's, it's. I can't wait to fucking talk about it.
1: I know a few people where uh, License to Kill was also their favorite Bond film. And I can understand why. Because, yeah, it's, it's top to your flock.
0: It's, it's, it's the best Joel Silver movie Joel Silver never produced. I'll just tease it at that. This isn't a joke. There's naked pictures of me all over the internet. Like what you see? I hope you do, because there's plenty more where that came from.
1: What is going on? Who's jacking off to this? It's not me. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's your family.